Volume three, chapter ten of A Charming Fellow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Charming Fellow by Francis Eleanor Trollope. Volume three, chapter ten. One dreary Sunday afternoon about this time, that is to say, about the end of November, Matthew Diamond rang at the bell of Mr. Maxfield's door. He had a couple of books under his arm, and he asked the servant who admitted him if she could give him back the volume he had last lent to Miss Maxfield. Sally looked askance at the books as she took them from his hand, and shook her head doubtfully. "'It's one of them French books, isn't it, sir? I don't know one from another. Would you please step upstairs yourself? Miss Rhoda's in the drawing-room.' Diamond went upstairs and tapped at the door of the sitting-room. "'Come in,' said a soft, sweet voice that seemed to him the most deliciously musical he had ever heard, and he entered. The old room looked very different from what it had looked in the days when Matthew Diamond used to come there to read Latin and history with Algernon Errington. There were still the clumsy beams in the low ceiling, and the old-fashioned cushioned seats in the bay window, but everything else was changed. A rich carpet covered the floor, there were handsome hangings and a couch, and a French clock on the chimney-piece. There was a small pianoforte in the room, too, and at one end a bookcase well filled with gaily bound books. These things were the products of old Max's money, but there were evidences about the place of taste and refinement which were due entirely to Rhoda. She had got a stand of hyacinths, like those in Miss Bodkin's room. She had softened and hidden the glare of the bright, brand-new upholstery by dainty bits of lacework spread over the couch and the chairs, and she had with some difficulty persuaded her father to substitute for two staring coloured French lithographs, which had decked the walls, a couple of good engravings after Italian pictures. There was a fire glowing redly in the grate, and the room was warm and fragrant. Rhoda was curled up in the window-seat with a book in her hand, and bending down her pretty head over it, until the soft brown curls swept the page. Diamond stood still for a moment in the doorway, admiring the graceful figure well defined against the light. "'Come in, Sally,' said Rhoda, and then she looked up from her book and saw him. "'I am afraid I disturb you,' said Diamond, but the maid told me to come up. "'Oh, no, I was just reading.' "'Straining your eyes by this twilight? That's very wrong.' "'Yes, I am afraid it's not very wise, but I wanted to finish the chapter, and my eyes are really very strong.' "'I thought you might be at church,' said Diamond, seating himself on the opposite side of the bay window, and within its recess. "'So I asked the maid to get me the book I wanted. But she sent me upstairs. "'Aunt Betty is at church, and James, but father wouldn't let me go. He said it was so raw and foggy, and I had been to church this morning. "'Yes, I saw you there. But have you not been well, that your father did not wish you to go out?' "'Oh, yes, I'm very well, thank you, but I had a little cold last week, and I should have had to walk to St. Chad's and back, you know.' father doesn't think it right to drive on the lord's day so he made me stay at home how very right of him what were you reading he drew a little nearer to her as he asked the question and looked at the book she held oh it's a sunday book said rhoda simply the pilgrim's progress i like it very much i wonder whether you will care to hear some good news i had to-day oh yes i shall be very glad to hear it i think i stand a good chance of getting the headmastership of dorrington proprietary school dorrington is in the next county you know oh i'm very glad it would be a very good position i am not certain of it yet you know but dr bodkin has been very friendly and has promised to convass the governing committee for me oh i'm very glad indeed i don't know yet myself whether i am very glad or not don't you rhoda looked up at him in genuine surprise but her eyes fell before the answering look they encountered and she blushed from brow to chin no it all depends on you rhoda whether I am glad of it to the bottom of my heart, or whether I give it all up as a thing not worth striving for. There was a pause which Rhoda broke at length, because the silence embarrassed her unendurably. 
oh i don't think it can depend upon me mr diamond she said speaking in a little quivering voice that was barely audible whilst at the same time she hurriedly turned over the pages of the pilgrim's progress with her eyes fixed on them although she assuredly did not see one letter diamond gently drew the book from her hands and took the hand in his own yes rhoda he said and having once called her so his lips seemed to dwell lovingly on the sound of her name i think you do know you must know that if i look forward hopefully and happily to anything in my future life it is only because i have a hope that you may be able to love me a little i love you so much she trembled violently but did not withdraw her hand from his clasp she sat quite still with downcast eyes neither moving nor looking to the right or the left rhoda rhoda won't you say one word to me i'm trying thinking what i ought to say she answered almost in a whisper is it so difficult rhoda she made a strong effort to command her voice but she had not the courage to look full at him as she answered yes it is very difficult for me i want to do right mr diamond i want not to deceive you i am very sure that you will not deceive me rhoda not if i can help it but it is so hard to say just the exact truth i don't find it hard to say the exact truth to you you may believe me implicitly rhoda when i say that i love you with all my heart and will do my best to make you happy if you will let me i do believe you i believe you are really fond of me only of course you are much cleverer and wiser than i am except in thinking too much of me and you can say just whatever is in your mind but i can't not all at once i will wait rhoda i will have patience and not distress you the tears were falling down her cheeks now not from sorrow but from sheer agitation she thanked him by a gesture of her head and drew her hand away from his very gently and wiped her eyes he could not command himself at sight of her tears although he had resolved not to speak again until she should be calm and ready to hear him my darling he said clasping his hands together and looking at her with eyes full of anxious compassion don't cry is it my fault you must have had some knowledge of what was in my heart to say to you i have not startled you and taken you by surprise no that's just it mr diamond it's that that makes me feel so afraid of doing wrong and deceiving you i-i have thought for some time past that you were getting to like me very much some one said so too but yet i couldn't do anything could i i couldn't say don't get fond of me mr diamond it would have been quite in vain to say don't get fond of me i am a desperately obstinate man rhoda so then i-i I mean to tell you the exact truth you know as well as i can i began to think whether i liked you very much well rhoda there was a rather long silence well i thought yes i did he clasped his arms round her with a sudden impetuous movement but she held him off with her two hands on his shoulders no but please listen i did love somebody else once very much of course we were very young and it was nonsense but i did wrong in being secret and keeping it from father and i never want to be secret any more and though i do like you very much and and i should be very sorry if you went away yet it isn't quite the same that i felt before that is the truth as well as i can say it and i am very grateful to you for thinking so well of me he drew the young head with its soft shining chestnut curls down to his breast and pressed his lips to her cheek now you are mine my very own are you not rhoda yes if you like mr diamond matthew diamond had been successful in his wooing after feeling very doubtful of success and he should naturally have been elated in proportion to his previous trepidation and he was happy of course yet scarcely with the fullness of joyful triumph he had promised himself if pretty rhoda should incline her ear to his suit there was a subtle flavour of disappointment in it all 
rhoda had behaved very well very honestly in making that effort to be quite clear and candid about her feelings it was a great thing to be able to feel perfect confidence in the woman who was to be his companion for life and as to her loving him with the same fervour he felt towards her that was not to be expected he never had expected that she was gentle sweet modest thoroughly feminine and exquisitely pretty she was willing to give herself to him and would doubtless be a true and affectionate wife he held her slight waist in his arm and her head rested confidingly on his bosom of course he was very happy only if only rhoda were not quite so silent and cold if she would say one little word of tenderness or even nestle herself fondly against his shoulder without speaking some such thoughts were vaguely flitting through diamond's mind when rhoda raised her head and emboldened by the gathering dusk looked up into his face and said you know it cannot be unless father consents i shall speak to him this evening do you think he will be stern and hard to persuade rhoda i don't know he said once that he would like to that he would like to know i had someone to take care of me on that score i am not afraid of falling short your father could give his treasure to no man who would take more loving care of her than i and then you are a gentleman and father thinks a great deal of that although he makes no pretence at being anything more than a tradesman himself and of course i am only a tradesman's daughter i am greatly below you in station i know that my rhoda as if there could be any question of that between us god knows i have been poor and obscure enough all my life but now i shall be able to tell your father that i hope to have a home to offer you that will be at least not sordid and the position of a lady i hope you won't repent mr diamond repent but rhoda won't you call me by my name say matthew not mr diamond yes i will if you like but i'm afraid i can't all at once it seems so strange i wish you liked my name one thousandth part as much as i love the sound of yours it seems so sweet to be able to call you rhoda oh i like your name very much indeed but i think please that you had better go now the people are coming out of church and aunt betty may be back at any moment and i don't wish her to find you here before you have spoken to father rhoda stood up as she said it and diamond had no choice but to rise too and say farewell he drew her gently towards him and kissed her will you try to love me rhoda he said in a tone of almost sad entreaty do you think you shall be able to love me a little i should not have accepted you if i felt that i could never be fond of you returned rhoda and a little flush spread itself over her face as she spoke but you know i have told you the truth i have told you about he put up his hand to check her yes yes you have been quite candid and honourable and i won't be exacting or unreasonable or too impatient he did not think he could endure to hear rhoda in her anxiety not to deceive him recapitulate the confession of her different feeling for another man in days past and yet he had known or guessed that it had been so then he took his leave an accepted lover and told himself that he was a very fortunate and happy man as he passed the door of old max's little parlour downstairs he saw a light gleaming under the door into the almost dark passage he stopped and tapped at the door come in said jonathan maxfield's harsh voice and diamond went into the parlour chapter ten